0: If you're anything like me, and judging by the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, Strava Craft Coffee could change your life. I'm not even joking. It's CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig and whole bean or ground. You purchase online for 20% off using code DNVR20, and they will ship it to you. This, uh, it's, it's too much to say it's a miracle drug, but anything less feels like too much less. It can help with long-term migraines, decreasing anxiety, arthritis, IBS, all the things that just typically come with drinking coffee, whether it's crashes after a little while or uh, having to deal with jitters while you're drinking it or having too much of an anxious kind of energy, Stravacraft coffee cuts through all of that stuff. Uh, it's perfect in these times where you don't want to get away from your coffee drinking routine, but maybe you don't want to be quite so wired while you're hopefully staying indoors. So remember to purchase online and use that promo code DNVR20 to get twenty percent off your entire purchase. And Let's go ball in the air deep right center go. field. Two run home run. Trevor Story. Way back. Myers. He'll it David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want it. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. On this episode, we're going to be dissecting the 16 strikeout game from John Gray in September of 2016 against the San Diego Padres, since we've all just watched that as a part of our hashtag DNVR Watches program that we're doing with lots of different things, old games, documentaries. For some reason, Love is Blind. Um, <clears throat> we're having a lot of fun with it. Hopefully, you've been joining us for those. But I thought since this was semi-recent, and I remember diving into a lot of the details at the time, something else that would be fun to do would be running through some of the best pitched games in Rockies history and also in Coors Field history and comparing, you know, what we think are, it really is ultimately the best, though that can be pretty subjective. And I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can measure it and that actually gets pretty interesting. So let's start with the kind of official, just what did John Gray do here. He pitched nine innings, a complete game shutout of the San Diego Padres. He gave up four hits, all of them singles. None of them hit especially well. He did not walk a batter. He struck out 16 guys. He threw 113 pitches. Baseball reference game score gives that a score of 95 unless there's something I'm missing, uh, which would be, you know, strange here. I I believe that according to that metric, that is the best pitched game in Rocky's history. Let's jump right into this part of it. And I'll, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that people may have as we go along here. But Hermen Marquez, I I think, is the other person who's most in this conversation. And of course, Ubaldo Jimenez, who's no hitter, uh, we just broke down not that long ago, Patrick Lyons and myself, and I've actually got an article coming out here very soon that these will all be nice companion pieces together, I think, where I dive into the details of the Ubaldo Jimenez no hitter. But Let's take a look at Hermen Marquez's game from last season, actually, 2019 in San Francisco on April 14th, a four to nothing win for the Colorado Rockies. He pitched nine innings, a complete game shutout. He gave up one hit. He struck out nine. He also did not walk a batter. Baseball reference gives that a game score of 94. So one point, which is a a negligible difference between that and and John Gray's 95. The questions, so let's get the questions on the table when just looking at these two games, then we can start to introduce other very well-pitched games as we set out our metric here, right? So 16 strikeouts for Gray versus nine strikeouts for Marquez only one hit, also a single for Marquez, four hits for John Gray. N- nobody had any walks. A few other things that you, you should keep in mind that are not necessarily uh, factored into game score or much of anything else. John Gray did this at Coors Field. Armen Marquez had his game in San Francisco where, uh, sometimes the marine layer there can can help knock the ball down can it's definitely definitely a more uh, pitcher friendly place than is Coors field. So understanding all of that i I still think you've got you know a, a pretty close to a toss up here there are a few things about the John Gray game are, Guy, Patrick Lyons, I'm going to out you here, buddy, uh, who I I, I think wisely, while we were all enjoying the moment, chose not to tweet out. Uh, But I I didn't memorize the note, but sent me something about how most of these guys in this Padres lineup are no longer in the big leagues and weren't, you know, two years later. And even if that weren't the case, you look at the names in this Padres lineup and you're not seeing a bunch of world beaters here right this this is not this is not as impressive as Ubaldo Jimenez no hitting a lineup that had Brian McCann and Chipper Jones and even guys like Martin Prado um all better hitters at times Nate McLeod. like like the Padres really did roll out a lineup here now they were hot at the time and that one of the reasons I'm glad we're doing these rewatches is because I think that's a detail you could lose just in looking at the box scores and the history and kind of taking the wide angle view. One of the things the broadcast reminded us of is that this lineup had been on a roll. They had scored seven runs the night before. And so there's something to that as well. But if you're you're kind of giving points in a bunch of different categories for best pitched games in Rockies history or best pitched games in Coors Field history, Easily the biggest mark against Gray, or the category where he's going to get less points and other guys are going to get more, is this one, the, the level of competition. The Padres, uh, you know, he got Will Myers a couple of times. Myers, a good hitter, and he's always hit well against the Rockies. He's always hit well at Coors Field. Um, for me, the Coors Field factor and the ability for balls to kind of randomly fall in in that gigantic outfield Uh, is more important, so I push that ahead, and and that's why I do give John Gray the slight edge when it comes to that. Now, if you'll recall from the Ubaldo Jimenez conversation, his no-hitter in 2010 came with a baseball reference game score of 88, so quite a bit lower than the 95 and 94 from Gray and Marquez that we've been talking about. And really, it's the six walks. Uh, game score really hates free bases as well. It should. I think there's a fair question to be asked about, you know, whether or not that should matter that much more, especially when you keep the runs off the board. Um, you know, they naturally won, as we were talking about, that that's, that's a natural conclusion to the fact that Ubaldo Jimenez was throwing against a lineup that was, better, and he could ill afford to make a bad mistake to Chipper Jones or Brian McCann, where Gray, a couple times, you could even see him. He just started counting on the quality of his fastball and slider. The few times he fell behind in counts, he was just able to overpower guys, not necessarily great locations. Better hitters might have made him pay for missing his spot but the stuff was so good that's why he was getting the swings and misses and freezing guys up uh, the way that he did I want to add to the conversation now as we're uh, sort of in this general area a few others one that comes up a lot uh, and they brought it up during the broadcast if you were watching of course uh, best games pitched in Coors Field history you might go straight to um you know, as we, we talked about it with Ubaldo Jimenez, the only no-hitter. So let's talk about the only no-hitter thrown in Coors Field history. It was thrown by, as you know, Hideo Nomo of the Los Angeles Dodgers in just his second year in the big leagues on September 17th, which is super interesting because that is also the date that John Gray, threw this game that we're talking about today, and struck out 16 Padres. Now, nine innings, zero hits, four walks, so not the six that Ubaldo Jimenez had, but um, the the four walks, so yeah, he, he did have the no-hitter, uh, but he allowed just as many base runners as did J- John Gray on this night, and he struck out eight. This, I think, is really interesting, though, because on the one hand, uh, I'm sort of... And, and game score is going to back me up here. John Gray is 95. Hideo Nomo, this game in 1996, September 17th, got a game score of 91. So not significantly lower, but enough that you wouldn't call these two games a tie. And I think that that's fairly reflected. You know, eight strikeouts. Well, Gray had eight more than that. And they both allowed the same number of runners. Gray with four singles. Nomo with the the four walks. So despite the fact that Hideo Nomo still gets to claim having the only no-hitter in Coors Field history, I think according to these metrics, and and rightfully and fairly so, you would still say that John Gray had the better game, especially if you want to get super moneyball about it and point down at Pete and say, do I care if it's a hit or if it's a walk? I do not. If we're saying four guys got to first base and that's it, but one guy struck out 8 the other guy struck out 16 uh yeah i think john gray probably had the better game despite nomo having the no hitter here's what's super fascinating hideo nomo had two games that season with a game score of 91 on april 13th so he kind of bookended his year with these fantastic performances uh, against the then Florida Marlins. He pitched nine innings, but it was not a complete game shutout. He gave up a run on three hits. He walked three. So again, how did he get a game score of 91? Well, he struck out 17 is what he did. Uh, so he was absolutely on fire that season. He had one other game that was a complete game shutout, a game score of 82 on April 8th uh, against the Braves. He went nine innings, gave up three hits, walked five, and struck out six. So that that was quite the year for Hideo Nomo. I mean, obviously, uh, no one was really surprised by that. He Let's see, was that the year he led the league in a couple of categories? Uh, No, the year before that, he led the league in strikeouts and uh, hits per nine and strikeouts per nine. Uh, Just an absolutely incredible pitcher, especially for his first couple of years in the big leagues. Um, now we get into some spicy stuff here. Now we're getting to the crazy numbers. Uh, again, as was brought up during the broadcast, Randy Johnson was the guy whose course field record gray broke. Uh, I think it's super cool that he broke Daryl Kyle's franchise record of 14 strikeouts. Um, but again, he did that out on the road, and there is just something to being able to get this done at Coors Field, where the ball does break a bit differently, and where your innings get extended by blue pits that fall in, and all kinds of... You You all know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but still. And so that it makes sense to me that a guy of Randy Johnson's caliber had been the only one to strike out 14 guys at Coors Field, and that was his tops. Now we'll put a pin in that. We'll get back to it. Let's first just using our game score methodology here. Compare now. Now that was 2001 that Randy Johnson did that. And we'll get to the game, but his best game that year was not his 14 strikeouts at Coors Field. Uh, Wasn't even close. Actually his best game that year, it wasn't even his best game against the Rockies that year. (laughs) Randy Johnson was just absolutely insane, but he put up on May 8th against the Cincinnati Reds, a game where he gave up a run, actually, in three hits, but he struck out 20, as I'm sure many of you recall if you were old enough to have watched that game, a game score of 97. Now that itself isn't right. That's the highest number we've come across, more than Ubaldo's no-hitter, more than Gray's 16-strikeout game or NOMO's no-hitter, any of them. And even though he gave up a run on on three hits, did not walk anybody, struck out 20. You, you, You tip your cap when a guy strikes out 20 dudes. What's crazy to me, though, is that he has one, two, three, four more games that season with game scores in the mid 80, about at 85 or better. Um, including a couple of complete game shutouts against Pittsburgh and Florida, each of which contained 10 strikeouts, no walks, five hits for the Pirates, six hits for the Marlins. His best game against the Rockies that year came in Arizona. He pitched eight innings. He gave up four hits and an earned run. He walked two and struck out 10. That was a game score of 78. So where is this Coors field game? It's way down here as the 20th. Again, we're doing this according to game score. The 20th best pitched game in the his, uh, in the season, excuse me, in the season, the 2001 season for Randy Johnson. He pitched seven innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs. Struck out 14 guys. He also gave up a a home run. So the 14 strikeout game, and and his club did win. The the Diamondbacks won that game 7-3. So fair enough. But a game score of 67. So by pretty much every measure, John Gray's 16 strikeout complete game shutout was better than what Randy Johnson was able to accomplish in this a season of near absolute domination. Uh, it, it's been remarkable to look through some of these numbers, but that really stuck out to me that other than this 20 strikeout, like a historic 20 strikeout game, where even then Randy Johnson gave up a run in this year where he was doing all these crazy things. John Gray's 16K performance against San Diego in his rookie season stands pretty much head and shoulders above it and above Hideo Nomo's No-Hitter as the single best-pitched game at Coors Field in the history of that gorgeous ballpark. Uh, Pretty amazing stuff. Also pretty amazing are the Colorado Raptor, Raptor Raptors and the game of rugby. Now is the perfect time to learn about it. Rugby is coming back in certain parts of the world if you've just you need your sports fix, your live competition fix. It's starting to come back out there in certain areas. And we've got the perfect guy to help bring you along, teach you about the game, uh, get you interested if you haven't been before. Colton Strickler is absolutely amazing. The DNVR Raptors podcast is super dope, it makes it really easy to understand things. You can download it, you can go and listen to it as soon as I'm done talking to you here. He's doing these 101 pods where he breaks everything down. He's going to have one on one interviews with players. Uh, supporting the Colorado Raptors means supporting us. You can go and buy a t-shirt, uh, from them or, or from us. Uh, it really does help out. So if it's within your means, uh, you know, check that out. If not, at least give the podcast a listen, go on YouTube, uh, check out some of our stuff we've got there on DNVR. It really helps. Uh, he did an explainer video that I found super useful. Just like 10 things you should know about rugby. Here are some of the basics. It's, it's really, really fun and um, I I just can't recommend it more highly. Sorry, I got a question here from Will, and now I'm going to have to look this up. Will, can you figure out what year? That's right. Justin Verlander threw a one-hitter at Coors Field. uh, I want to say 18 or 17. 17? I'm going to check 17 and see what numbers come up. Uh, if I just sort by game score for Justin Verlander in 17, I'm sure I'll get a good one. Um, but he, he, okay, so at Coors Field, he did have a pretty good game, a 70-game score in 2017. He pitched six innings, three hits, an earned run, nine strikeouts. So that's probably not what we're looking for there. Maybe 2018. This is fantastic podcasting, but, hey, we're all just kind of stuck inside looking at baseball stats, right? Uh that, this is what we're doing. Let's check the game scores for 2018. Woo, we had a good year. Not seeing it here though. So uh he had a 90 game score in 2018. That that's the highest of those two years. So in neither of those two years did Justin Verlander pitch a game as good as what John did his rookie season at Coors Field here's a 100 game score for Justin Verlander last year he uh, at the Toronto Blue Jays through nine innings no hits one walk, 14 strikeouts so that game score sees as even better than Randy Johnson's 20 strikeout game considering no hits no earned runs just the one walk he was a walk away from it being a 14 strikeout perfect game uh, so that's pretty. Pretty damned impressive for Justin Verlander. I'll check one more season uh, for him before kind of jumping back into a few other notes that I had. Nope, and 84 was the best he did in 2016. So, yeah, not, not finding one for Verlander at Coors at Shardy Waffle, that's what it says, it says the legendary Pat Rapp threw a one-hitter at Coors Field for the Marlins in like 1995. Pat Rapp, huh? Okay, let's look that up while we're doing stuff here. Um, there, there were a few other notes from the game that I thought were really interesting, one of course being that uh, Tom Murphy managed to drive in five runs, hit two homers. there. There's always been a huge what-if about Tom Murphy and, you know, if the Rockies gave up on him too soon or if they overemphasized his defense or maybe his defense wasn't as bad as we thought it was, but he could always hit. There was never, 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 never a question about whether or not the guy could hit, and he unloaded on a a couple in this game, and it was kind of a, a brutal little reminder of what the Rockies almost had because they, they've never had a catch or a hit like that. Of course, Murphy has gone on to do some pretty darn impressive things at the plate uh, for the Seattle Mariners. Here it is in 1999, excuse me, five, 1995, Pat Rapp again of the Florida Marlins. You're, you're never going to believe this on September 17th. That's the third time this exact date has come up. At Coors Field, So John Gray, Hideo Nomo, and now Pat Rapp, Coors Field, September 17th, 95, goes nine innings, gives up one hit, no earned runs, walks one, strikes out seven for a baseball reference game score of 91. So not as good as the John Gray game. It sees it as almost equal to the Hideo Nomo game. Uh, fewer base runners. But not the actual no hitter. Uh, wow, Pat Rap, good pull, good call, and, and 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 we got to find another September seventeenth game. What an absolutely wonderful coincidence, or or cosmic something or other. That is, that is pretty cool. Um, all right, I got to get back to my my notes now. From I got like twelve different baseball reference pages up. Um, A a two-run home run for Nolan Arenado in the first inning that went 444 feet. He put that thing up on the concourse. Uh, I I think that took a lot of pressure off of John, who had been kind of up and down this first year, Uh, had really struggled. Uh, His last couple of games, they'd even talked about the last time he'd faced the Padres. He'd only managed to go four innings. And so I think you got to give a bit of a hat tip and some credit, of course, to uh Nolan who's always been really good. We we've talked about clutch a lot with Nolan and of course there are a lot of different ways to measure it and I often do what a lot of people do I'll look at you know seventh inning or later runners in scoring position but uh, the statistics are pretty overwhelming about teams that score first and Nolan Arenado has been pretty overwhelming at first inning uh, hitting and and home runs and RBI in particular in the first inning and those can be devastating uh tone setters for a game and, and hitting one 444 feet, uh, in the first inning and allowing your guy to go out there and throw nice and easy. Um, that, that, that seemed to set the tone quite a bit. Um, there was of course the interesting moment in the, uh, second inning where John managed to strike out four guys because he and Murphy, it it was kind of the tale of the two sides of tom murphy right not that i know for sure that whatever mix up here was on murphy but it did look like uh a cross-up that the catcher just didn't know what pitch was coming that he forgot what pitch because it was a it was a like right down the middle it was a very clear strike called strike three usually when you see a guy reach base on strike three it's on a you know a swinging strike in the dirt and the pitch was so nasty it skips away from the catcher But in this case, it was one right down the middle that Murphy just should have had uh, and didn't. But it actually ended up leading to the very rare and major league record occurrence of John Gray striking out four guys in one inning. Those of you new to it, there are only three outs uh, typically, but that can happen. Um, It's Theoretically, it's not impossible that someone could strike out five guys in an inning uh, if that were to happen twice, but it just uh, hasn't yet. So uh, that was an interesting occurrence. And it was kind of like uh, we talked about when Nolan Arenado hit his uh, triple early on. It was kind of uh, an indication like, yeah, the cycle is in play here. And when John Gray uh, had five strikeouts after two innings pitched, (laughs) you were like, oh, he could be in for quite the game this evening it, it was kind of get to your television right now kind of moment, at least for me it was and I was already at the game I mean I I don't have a story for this when I just sat in the press box and watched it unfold and was uh an, an early believer in John Gray so th- this was actually one of those times where a lot of people were turning and looking at me going well okay you said this guy was going to figure stuff out and you know he'd had some rough times in A that year he, he had a rough First couple of outings in, in Major League Baseball and people were going, I thought he was supposed to be the future. What the, you know, and then here he is in his rookie season. Again, Padres, no Padres. At Coors Field, striking out 16 dudes. Uh, pretty impressive stuff from Gray. But, uh, yeah, that, that that's the only story I have as far as, you know, kind of being at the game. Uh, and and then the other one is that when it concluded, and I think I've, I've told this a few times, but – um, John had been informed, and and I saw it actually for the first time today because I just remembered I wasn't watching the broadcast. I was rushing downstairs to ask him and um, Walt Weiss and and people like that questions, and so uh, I didn't see the post game broadcast where they informed him that he had the new Rockies record, and I think they let him know he had the new course field record, but they didn't tell him whose record he had broken. I was actually the person to tell John Gray whose course field record he had. Broken, and so I told him like, it was Randy Johnson, and he goes, "Man, that's so cool! I used to play as that guy in video games, uh, which is super awesome." We got to get John in on the DNVR gaming side of things. We got to get him to come join us on Twitch for a stream of MLB of the Show. Uh, I think he'd be down to do that. But I thought that was pretty cool that that he got to learn in that moment that. Uh, he had kind of knocked off one of his heroes and, you know, I, I didn't know all this stuff about game score. I wasn't able to drop any of this, you know, uh, knowledge on him about, yeah, man, you, you really probably just threw the very best game in Coors field history, no matter uh, how you look at it. So uh, yeah, I, I think uh, um, Gail, nice to see you. You're able to listen today. Yeah. I I, I, I know I should say that he was just absolutely thrilled Uh, to learn that. So that was, that was pretty fun. And there was one what if that I wanted to mention in this whole situation, but uh, it it was a fascinating one because in the first inning, Gray picked off Will Myers uh, from first base. And I, you know, there were a bunch of interesting what ifs in the Ubaldo Jimenez game. If Troy Gloss just puts the ball in play at one point, Jimenez, despite throwing the no hitter, would have given up a run. Uh, you know, what if Dexter Fowler doesn't make the catch? What if Miguel Olivo doesn't throw that guy out at second base? But for Gray, there really aren't a ton here. The Padres just did not threaten in any meaningful or um, substantive way throughout the entirety of of the game for me, the only what if is could he have gotten one more strikeout because he was up in the count on a guy, oh, one, and he picked off Will Myers, uh, which is good. He got an out. So there's two ways you could look at it. One, you know, could he have gotten that guy on, you know, two or three more pitches and struck him out or two, did he actually preserve his, his arm a little bit there, his pitch count, making it so that he could finish the game as strongly as he did getting two strikeouts in the ninth to make sure that he didn't just tie it. And, and that's the other sort of what if I guess is that Greg goes back out there for the ninth. He's, you know, seeking a complete game shutout really when I've talked to him about this, he's always said, that's what I was going for there. I really, you know, I, I hadn't completed many games In my career, in the minors, college, whatever. I just hadn't really gone the distance. And it's, I've been trying to get, and and we've known this has been the story of his career even after this point, like getting in full shape, keeping up the stamina, keeping it for the entire course of a season. And so it was a big deal. I think I'd even talked to him about this before this game for him to complete one. So I know he didn't know what the strikeout record was, but I know he went out there in the ninth determined to finish the game. So what if he doesn't strike out anybody in the ninth? I think is also an interesting question because he goes out there tied with Daryl Kyle for the franchise record in strikeouts anywhere and Randy Johnson for the strikeout record at Coors Field. Uh, Of course, when he got the 15th one there, he, he took both of those records solely into his possession and then got one more to Put the icing on the cake, end the game, uh, make it more that much more difficult for anyone to catch his record um, that he got to break immediately. Uh, pretty fantastic stuff, but you know it, it would have been really interesting to see if he had gotten into any trouble in the ninth inning, how he would have played it, how Walt Weiss would have played it. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a uh, you know, it was an absolutely fascinating situation to see Gray go out there and still be trying to mow him down, uh, where he was at, uh, at mile high mems asks more impressive, a no, no at Coors field or a full season with an ERA under three, four. You know, that's a fair question. I would probably say overall, the, the full season is going to be more impressive to me, which is fascinating. You know, it it brings us back to our original question here, which is how do you value uh, pitching? How do you measure what's a good game, a great game, a great season? Uh, So for example, you know, we've been using these game scores, which I think are really fantastic for helping compare game to game, but in 2018, where we know Kyle Freeland was absolutely phenomenal, his highest game score was a 77, a game he went seven innings, gave up three hits, no earned runs, he walked two, he struck out eight against the San Diego Padres at Coors Field, so that's a really good game, but his thing that year was just remarkable consistency and not getting blown up and putting up quality start after quality start. And I do think over the course of a season, uh, course Field, that's one of the things, like course Field just doesn't make it tougher on you in individual games. It makes it tougher on you over the course of the season. And so uh, I've got to go with the consistency. Like it's great to see what Gray was able to do here, but if you were to put like – I guess just a bunch of accomplishments of John Gray's career, like on the table in front of me. And one of them was the 16 strikeout game. And one of them was uh, basically, I guess, what he did this year, right? We're looking, well, no, a 384. So that's, you know, not quite, it's going to be tough because a 384 ERA over 150 innings this last year, Uh, a 135 ERA plus with 150 strikeouts, but him being better at Coors Field, that I think is almost more impressive to me than, you know, as Pat Rapp has proven during the course of this podcast, anybody can run into one really great game, you know, Armando Galarraga. It's it's just a thing in sports. These guys are great. To get to that level, you've got to be uh, a certain degree of great and that's why sometimes, unfortunately, games like the Ubaldo no hitter get kind of dismissed as these one-time wonders or these things that uh, came out of nowhere a little bit, because those players didn't go on to do great things. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what John Gray's career holds from here and whether or not we end up looking back at this 16 strikeout game as the beginning, you know, one of the first and several very, very amazing accomplishments for him. Or if it's more like the Ubaldo one where you go, man, that was a sign he was maybe going to be great. And it turned out he never quite became great. I, I I still think that, uh, you know, what he's done already to this point in his career makes him one of the three or four, maybe at, at worst, five best pitchers in Rocky's history, and there are a ton of statistics to support that. Uh, it's also the case that um, he's still like in the middle of his prime, and I don't think that we have seen the very best of John Gray yet. This, this may end up, as we've seen, like you, you put it up against some of these other great games, this may go down as the best individual game in his career, but I don't think it will go down as the best accomplishment of his career. It may yet be to this point, again, if if I was allowed to like sort of pick the categories and, and think of, you know, if I'm trying to nitpick or sort of cherry pick, what's the best accomplishment of his career, I would say, what he did from the all-star break to the end of the 2017 season. Um, he was the most important player on that Rockies team that got to the wild card game, making the postseason for the first time in nearly a full decade. And they would not have done it if he had not pitched, uh, extraordinarily well. He, He was like the third best pitcher in the national league in the second half in 2017. And so, uh, it really is of course unfortunate that that concluded with him getting pretty well blown up in the wild card game by the diamondbacks but still you you can't take that stretch away from him uh, what he managed to do there so it would be interesting to do that to go through um what was a the game there was there was an old sports show i used to watch where they would just kind of put all these things up on a board. Maybe this was a pro wrestling thing, actually, and they were like wrestlers, and you'd have, you'd have space for like five of them, and you'd have to move them up and down the list. If we just had the accomplishments of certain people in their careers or or just, you know, Rockies pitchers, you know, individual seasons, Grays, this, you know, Freeland's 2018, Ubaldo's 2010, uh, and and just kind of power rank them. I think that would be a fun thing to do. I'll need to get a little board I can put up, and, and we, we can all take a look at it, and we can, we can power rank the whatever we can we can pick all different kinds of categories to power rank Uh, speaking of all different kinds of categories there are all different kinds of categories of rubber and you can get any of them well most of them there are some kinds you can't get but pretty much any kind at denver rubber company since 1972 they have provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses Uh, There's still some snow out there, especially certain places. Uh, If you're living up in the mountains in Colorado and Denver Rubber Company is your one-stop shop for anything snow plows. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted to mounting for your exact specifications. Denver Rubber Company custom makes all of it, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy in bulk at a fantastic rate. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. All right, a few final thoughts on uh, this game and just sort of Gerardo Parra playing first base. No, <laughs> there are all kinds of fun things that, that happened in this one. I don't think it had quite as many subplots as the Ubaldo 2010 no-hitter, um, but I do think it's one of the most interesting games in, in Rocky's history to, to go back and watch. He got home runs from uh, Arenado a couple from Murphy. You got Carlos Gonzalez getting in on the action a little bit. You got David Dahl coming back. It was also his rookie season. He got in uh, before the first Tom Murphy double or home run, excuse me, with a double. Uh, So it it was kind of interesting to see. This was another reminder. We we kind of bookended here too. We watched last week, uh, Trevor story's debut at the beginning of this season. And, you know, this team had a lot of promise and and really did fall apart when Story and Mark Reynolds both got hurt kind of around the same time. But you could see, uh, especially in hindsight, but I was talking about at the time a, a few people were, and um, I, I know people were chatting with us about it here on the podcast and on Twitter that this team was really coming together and you could see the beginnings of it here uh, story didn't play in this game because he was out uh, at this point, and the and the Rockies were falling out of it, which which was the sad part uh, <laughs> of the situation. And it looked, you know, I think to a lot of people like, oh, here we go again with the Rockies. This was still at the tail end of the too-low-cargo era, and they're saying, man, they just can't get – they just can't get through a season without people getting hurt. But when you saw Gray pitching like this, uh, one of the things that was highlighted on the broadcast was that Hermen Marquez had just been called up to A, which was kind of fun and interesting. And again, I don't think a lot of people are going, all right, here comes this guy who's going to be a, a major impact and the Rockies getting into the postseason in a couple of years. But uh, there he was getting ready to, to pitch in A, and he would even come up and pitch a little bit at the end of that uh, 2016 season. So you could, I think especially if you were looking for it, and we sure were at the time. Uh, You could see this team coming together uh, quite a bit, and uh, it is worth remembering that whether or not you think Marquez or even Ubaldo threw the best game in Rockies history, it is pretty undisputed that as a rookie, who was going through ups and downs and catching negative press. I remember just like weeks before this game, there had been a big article in a big name paper talking about how John Gray just didn't have what it took to overcome the Coors Field problem, that he just wasn't going to be that guy, that he was too intimidated by Coors Field. Uh, And then he goes out again as a rookie and throws the best game, undisputed, head and shoulders above whatever's in second place. Maybe Nomos, no-hitter. Maybe, oddly enough, pat-rap. It's not even Randy Johnson's 14-strikeout game that came with all kinds of blemishes. This was it. And there's no putting of context about the level of competition. It's not like Randy Johnson pitching against the 2001 Rockies Like, those guys were world beaters. They had a few good hitters, for sure, and Coors Field's a tough place to pitch. Oh, right, that's where John did it. Pre-Humidor, you got to give him that. Pat Rapp as well. Hideo Nomo as well. Okay, pre is a real thing if we're giving points here and there. But overall, I think pretty clearly, pretty safely, this was the best-pitched game in Coors Field history. And you can't take that away from John Gray until someone goes out there and takes it away from him. So let's see if that ever happens. Thank you all for joining along for this conversation today. Remember, we're doing uh, classic games Monday, Wednesday, Friday, though not this Friday. Uh, This Friday we're we're taking a break. But from here on, starting next Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll be recapping the 2018 Rockies season season. The 21 uh, key games, almost all of them, big wins. I think, actually, we're doing exclusively big wins for the Rockies uh, in that season. Of course, they ended up winning 21 games going to the wild card uh, against the Chicago Cubs. So we'll be running through those and and reliving some of those moments and putting them in interesting historical context on Tuesdays. uh, Those happen at 3 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5 p.m., we're still watching Ken Burns' baseball documentary, uh, so we are on inning six, if you're listening to this, April 2nd, uh, we'll be watching inning six that Thursday, and then, you know, well, you can do the addition on and subtraction, well, you won't need to subtract, we're not going to go backwards in watching episodes, we're just going to continue to watch them forward until we get through, so... Uh hopefully you can join us for that. Use the hashtag DMVRWatches. Make sure you swing by the merch shop. You pick yourself up some super cool merchandise. You get a hat, you get a shirt. Uh, it's a great way to help us out if you happen to have the means during this time that you you re up that subscription. Um, finally going to have a bunch of written content coming back your way, including a breakdown of the Ubaldo Jimenez no-hitter. Uh, Patrick Lyons is doing these phenomenal, like this day in history, Rockies Rewind articles. You got to check them out. All kinds of fun stats and details about things that have taken place uh, on these days, you know, when they're was baseball. And we're just going to keep doing everything we can to to keep you entertained and keep baseball as a part of your life. If you're into uh, the video gaming, or even if you think you might consider maybe being into video gaming because at least watching virtual baseball is better than watching no baseball, make sure you follow DNVR underscore gaming and you follow the Twitch channel there. Thank you all so much for listening in. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. You know, I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.